Hi, I'm Shelby Schling, and this is Living Over Losing, unfiltered and unrestrained. Hello, and welcome back to Living Over Losing. This is Shelby, and today I'm so excited to have Marissa Pendlebury as our guest. Um, She's actually joining us all the way from the UK, so I'm really, really excited because I think this is the furthest guest that we've had so far. Um, And Marissa is an author and founder of Nourishing Roots, which we'll get into a little bit more. And she is also a yoga teacher in training, which is awesome. So welcome to the show, Marissa. Hello. I'm so excited to be with you on this podcast. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. And so where, where are you exactly right now joining us from? Um, I'm based in a little town in the UK called Warrington, um, but for anybody who's in America, they might be more familiar with Liverpool, the home of the Beatles, so I'm near there. <laughs> awesome. I'm so excited. I've never been to, to anywhere in London, but I really, really want to. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so nice, and the weather for once, once in a blue moon is so nice this summer, so it's like so nice over here right now. Yes. Oh, it's amazing. All right, well, let's get into it. So I guess we'll start off by kind of sharing your story, how you got into, you know, how did you get to where you are today? Um, I know that you're doing a lot of work with eating disorder recovery and just life work, which is really awesome. So if you want to just kind of give us like a little background story of how you got here, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be really good. Um, Well, I'm really passionate about the more holistic routes to wellness and recovery. And I come from both a combined medical approach and looking at actually how people reclaim life back and not just necessarily gain weight in recovery from a restrictive eating disorder. So my passion kind of began way, way back in, mm, I suffered from anorexia around 10 years ago now. So I was, I'm 26 now. Um, actually it'd be more than 10 years I actually started when I was 13 but I always refer to it as just over a decade and I think like just lots of people experience I I grew up in such a pressurized environment Um, not through any fault of my family's but I was involved in athletics I used to um, sprint regularly for an athletics team I also grew up doing gymnastics and was quite heavily involved in music so Looking back, it was kind of a bit of a recipe for disaster, how I, how I see my early childhood. And even though I had a happy time in my family, I always felt like somewhere I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of young women and men feel like this today. In, it's either comes from society or just a general feeling like we're not enough as we are. And for many people that I'm currently working with in recovery, there's this general feeling of lack. And I know I definitely experienced that when I was a teenager, especially when um, in the UK we have, when you go into high school, say when you're about 11, you eventually split up into different set groups when you're a couple of years into high school. And for me, that involves splitting up from friends that I was really close with, going into different sets at school. And I suddenly like developed this massive sense of loneliness and a non-sense of belonging in the world and I think I kind of used school at that time as a massive distraction from how I felt so what I did was instead of actually dealing with the problem of why I was feeling like that because you know teenagers were not really taught how to cope with negative feelings or being isolated I just turned to literally obsessing around everything to do with work and during that process I found out that 
well, I'd go from morning till afternoon, sometimes without eating, because I'd just be pushing myself that hard to get really good grades or do a piece of artwork, like bang on perfect, you know, having that perfectionistic personality trait. And over time, I just realized that food, I'd also lost a little bit of weight at that time, just, just through accidental means, really. And a few people made a few comments at school, after the school holidays, that, oh, you've lost weight. And, you know, for once I started to feel, oh, maybe, maybe this is the answer, then maybe people think I am a worthy person if I lose a little bit of weight. Um, and at that time as well, because I was still running, my my speed times were absolutely diminishing. I wasn't very fast anymore. I was losing races. I was seconds behind what I'd normally run. And I felt, well, I actually didn't know why it was. I actually just thought, oh, actually, maybe I'm not thin enough. Maybe I just need to get more streamlined. And at that time as well, because I'd hit puberty a lot earlier than a lot of other girls in my class, I felt like I was constantly um, bigger. And that was the reason why I was slower and maybe not as good as I used to be rather than actually thinking hang on Marissa isn't it because you're starving yourself mm. um so what happened was I went from being this girl who absolutely loved food and literally loved dunking nine digestive biscuits in a tea at once you know chocolate coated ones and didn't give a toss about it really I became very introverted and my whole life suddenly began revolving around food because I'd associated the two and two together that being slim and losing weight means having friends and you know being accepted in the world and I don't think it's just me who's felt like this especially for anyone's had an eating disorder or even what I say just a less than loving relationship with food and body and so for me that was a very very significant start to a very lonely and dark path into an eating disorder and I didn't really know the extent of how bad this was until seven or eight months later after summertime had gone and it was January time winter um I, had, I got taken to the GP and they noticed you know yeah you know this weight loss is quite dramatic um but we're going to pass you over to a dietitian but even that waiting list was another three months down the line and looking back I think wow like three months is a lot to someone who's like really starving themselves and using food for control I mean, like anything could happen in that time, couldn't it really? And um, by the next three months, by the time I actually saw a dietitian, I lost an extreme more amount of weight because I think the more and more I got caught up in the eating disorder and how much I felt in control with food and restriction, like the less and less able I was to live, live my life. Everything seemed to revolve around restriction, trying to hide food trying to run away from social occasions that involved even a mention of food and I became so fearful around something I used to absolutely love and instead of being so happy-go-lucky I became someone who was very obsessed had a very obsessional tendencies with even walking having to work so many steps a day having to keep up with all these expectations that I'd actually placed upon myself and when it got to the point where I was literally sitting in a psychiatrist's office a few months later being told that I had severe anorexia and I was about to be admitted into inpatient treatment and that if I didn't eat within the next couple of days then I'd probably die. And I sat there in front of this psychiatrist generally feeling like I honestly don't feel like a slim person. I feel like I'm still in this fat person's body and actually wanting to laugh in his face thinking there's no way that 
that's me like anorexia is something that um like really kind of affluent people get and like I've never associated myself with anything like an eating disorder before I'd never hardly heard of it or understood it so to be faced with this diagnosis and the fact of being in like admitted as an inpatient in a psychiatric ward was like what what's going on I must be dreaming this this is not happening um unfortunately though this unfortunately because I got admitted somewhere that wasn't it was a specialized psychiatric place but it wasn't very specialized in eating disorders so there was lots and lots of ways I could cut corners and you know avoid eating avoid recovery because I, I didn't even want recovery because food was still something I desperately desperately needed in order to control a life that for many people and myself felt very very out of control so after that inpatient admission even though a lot of it was through force feeding and you know just generally <laughs> being talked down to by a therapist who even though understood eating disorders didn't really understand what goes on in a person's mind who's suffering from anorexia I just came out with a sense of longing that I just need to get back to the eating disorder I need it I still needed it in my life in order to just get by I'd become so dependent on it and I that's why I say anorexia it's a little bit like a drug and any form of eating disorder can be even things like an obsessional tendency around healthy eating such as orthorexia can be like an addiction and just like anyone might take a substance whether that's caffeine or alcohol I so desperately needed to feel like an eating disorder was in my life in order to feel like I was somebody if that makes any sense yes no it makes so much sense and it's mm -hmm. I just like when you're talking about this it's so crazy because I think about myself and I think about how unaware we can be of what's actually happening you know like you said you were sitting across from the psychiatrist and she was basically telling you like you're on the you're really really in a bad place and you were like you don't even realize that you're in that bad place and it's mm. that's what's so scary and that's what's so terrifying about this disease is that you can be so far into it and not even realize that you're into it and and it, I mean, for me, like if I take it from my perspective, when I was in, in this situation, I think that I think I deep down like had an idea that something was wrong because like you said, I was really obsessively counting steps and like almost like an, almost like an obsessive compulsive thing where I would have to walk so many steps or I'd have to walk so many miles or Absolutely. run. And if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to function in my, like in my day. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's I knew that that probably girl. wasn't, yeah. And I think I, I think I knew that that probably wasn't right or normal, mm -hmm. but I think that I had made it normal for myself. So I don't know. It's, it's really bizarre. It's, it's really scary how we can be so unaware of something that's so dangerous. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I just grab it like we create this whole other world for ourselves that revolves around restriction and tight control that everything else seems abnormal. It's like someone else telling you, you know, the sky is actually green. And you're like, no, it's so, it's blue. But mm -hmm. um, it's like, no, it's green. And because we're so accustomed to the, the sky being blue, we can't imagine it being anything, anything else. And we forget that there's a whole other world outside of the obscure one we've created for ourselves. It's like really insidious and dark. And it's like literally someone sitting on your shoulder trying to control your every move. But you've forgotten that that person isn't you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it is. It is. We can create, and that's really scary too. And I'm like super interested in psychology now and the brain because Mm -hmm. after this, I feel like it's, we can convince ourselves of anything and you could take that in a good way or a bad way. Um, but yeah, it's crazy because we really can make like these altered realities that aren't, aren't real. Yeah, it's so true. And I describe it almost, it's like you become your own cult. So I'm quite interested in cults from a psychological perspective and how they play out and how people become manipulated into something that seems absolutely like, how can anyone believe that? But literally there's cases of people have been asked to and actually done murdered their own children just through being made to believe something that isn't true. Mm-hmm. And I think we can easily manipulate our own minds like as strong as we, I mean, we are strong as human beings, but we can also in times of weakness and feelings of loneliness and not feeling good enough, we can literally invite something quite dark into our lives that feels like it's a good thing, but actually it, it can literally take your life away from you just within like the snap of a finger. Mm-hmm. And this is how eating disorders, I think, creep up on a lot of people because um, like the health, for example, it's so glorified and we know that, you know, there's lots and lots of people out there, you know, not with bad intentions, but promoting healthy lifestyles in a way that suits them. But people think that is the route to happiness these days and rather than seeing the bigger picture. And when I was younger, I, I didn't have any sense of what the bigger picture was. All I saw was losing weight, having control over my body and food equals happiness even though I never, ever felt happy when I did that. Only in the short-term fixes of if I just cut a bit of this food away or hide a little bit or maybe skip a little bit of a snack there or a meal here and there, that temporarily, again, in an addictive way, it's like that, that little spark of, oh, it's, it, it does feel good and it's horrible to admit, but it does feel good in that moment, even when you step on a scale and someone says, oh, the, oh you've lost weight this week. Part of you is like, oh, no, I've lost weight. That Like the real you is like, oh, my God, I've lost weight. Like you know, this is a bad thing, but if the eating disorder is very strong, it's like, oh, great, mm-hmm. you know, and I, yeah, think, and it's, I my, think that's crazy too, is like, you almost mm. become two separate people, and then what's yeah. really scary is that I feel like you can easily lose, like, your true self, and yes. you have, and that's, like, hard to find, I mean, once you find it again, it's, you realize that you kind of like are more aware of what's going on. But yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. I remember when I was recovering, I tried to like almost separate like the eating disorder voice as a different person because it really Mm -hmm. is like two different people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you said, just like reclaiming your life back and finding out who you are can take years. And it's definitely taken me years to understand that the person I created out of an eating disorder actually yeah. wasn't me. And the things that I did after like after high school, like the, the topics that I studied at college and university were like health and nutrition, health sciences, all things I thought I was interested, but actually looking back, I was like, actually that's probably the worst thing I probably could have studied, to be quite honest. And it was only when I went back to go and do things like health psychology and mm-hmm. um, and I'm currently doing like yoga and how, how therapeutic that's been in my life, have I actually realized, you know what, the health equation is so much more complex and amazing than food and fitness equals health. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, it's so similar, which is so funny because I also went to college for nutrition, which was like 
probably totally brought on by my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that nutrition is necessarily a bad thing to study, but it, for me, yeah. like it was just, that was my reasoning and my intention behind it was, yeah. was not right. Where it's not something that I'm like, actually my true self is actually passionate about. It's something that my eating disorder was passionate about. Um, yeah. And I think that's so common too with people that struggle, like they become dietitians or personal trainers mm-hmm. or yeah, because it's, it's, you think that that's the only thing you care about at, at, at that moment. Mm-hmm. And really it's not true, but that's what it seems like. Um, yeah. yeah so I kind of want to, I kind of want to go back to something that you had, we kind of, you kind of mentioned um, mm-hmm. how like basically society. And I, and I love this too, because I know we're not that far away, but kind of, I mean, I'm in the United States, you're in the UK and both societies seem to put a lot of pressure on Mm. healthy eating, you know, Mm -hmm. bodies and being in shape. And so I wanted to get a little bit more on your perspective of how health and wellness trends, because they're always changing, um, Mm -hmm. how these can kind of like turn maybe someone goes in for the right intentions. Like maybe somebody feels like, okay, maybe I need to get, Mm. I need to eat maybe a little bit more balanced or something, but how can this, these good intentions, how do they turn dark? You know? Oh, that is such a, such a good question. It's something I can really deeply relate to just because that's happened to me so many times in recovery, jumping from, Oh, well, you know, I'll recover. I'll use veganism to recover or, I'll use, you know, this health plan to recover or this type of wellness fitness regime or because then at least I'll have some control but I'll still be eating. Um, but for anyone even with a good intention, whether it's for recovery or they're just a general person off the street who's been told, you know, I could do, uh, might be a bit healthier if I lost a little bit of weight or, if, you know, I looked a little bit better for my summer, you know, summer body and they could go into a wellness trend. Let's give um, a fix. Oh my gosh, like I dropped five pounds this week. Oh my God, I feel amazing. And often the initial effects of starvation, like happen, that happens in any diet really because you do have to kill your own cells in some way, no matter what weight loss plan that you have, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah. well, during that quick fix, your brain is experiencing all sorts of changes in its neurochemical biology. So that's including things like serotonin, which might increase due to the fact that you're breaking down sugars from your muscle tissue that's breaking down, um, other acids that affect like, your neurochemistry. So initially, you do get that high, like similar to actually ingesting a drug. Um, and when I, I was actually studying recently, like some links between drug addiction and eating disorders and dieting, actually, and how there's so many, there's lots of similar like neurological links. So, for example, if people look at the weight changes from one week to the next and notice a drop in weight initially, that could give them a sense of self-worth, a very short, lasting balls of self-worth that actually makes them you know to get that extra bit of hit next time take it one step further and one step further so they might cut out another food group they might cut out another type of meal another or jump to another fitness plan when this one stops making them lose weight or stops giving them that buzz they go on to maybe a more um more extreme form and then another more extreme form until you know, literally they've cut out multiple food groups and they're either suffering from them from something like orthorexia, like this obsession with needing clean foods, everything to be organic and perfect and vegan in every single way possible. 
and then your whole focus has gone from someone who's been like yeah i'll just um i'll just try this diet for wellness to someone who's been like snap bang all consumed with food and exercise and every other element of their wellness like their psychological wellness things like creativity social connection and other massive important things that play a part in well-being go out the window yeah definitely and also I like it's so crazy because I I think about other aspects of my life now too and I'm not sure if this has happened for you but since being recovered Mm -hmm. but I can apply those same like perfect perfectionist um, tendencies towards anything like Mm -hmm. it I feel like for certain types of personalities it's really like you said, you might start off like, oh, I'm going to give this a try. And then it's, oh, well, I could do better. I can do better. I can do better. I can yeah. take this out. I can do better than that. I can lose more weight. Mm-hmm. I can, and it's like, of course, nothing is ever enough. So it's almost I like can. you're in this cycle of destruction because you're, you're never going to make yourself happy. And now I can mm-hmm. almost notice that sometimes happening in other areas of life too, mm-hmm. which, yeah. So I, but I think like the main thing and I've said this a million times on the podcast is being aware of when that's happening Mm, and the eating disorder really helped me like recovering from that really helped me with with all of these things like becoming aware so while it was like a terrible experience I think it also was a really good life experience to recover from yeah I totally agree with that and I can definitely empathize with the types of traits you're talking about there I think it's very common, isn't it, to just apply that, you know, need for control, perfectionism in work. And, you know, even I was really obsessed with like work and, you know, being, trying to be the best, whether that was it in athletics or music or anything. But during the process of recovery, and what I, I think of it as my analogy is it really like broke me into pieces so I could make myself back again in the way that I was actually meant to be created. Because I think the person who I was meant to be wasn't that person when I had an eating disorder and it almost had to get to a really critical stage in order to make me actually rethink and address my direction in life and really assess like what do I really want to happen in my life like do I want my greystone to read you know this is how much she weighed this is Mm -hmm. you know what job she had she had a PhD woo, and she had all these things and a good house and a good life or would I rather that just said you know she was a really fun loving like lovable person who was up for such a laugh and for people to talk about you know the good times we were able to spend together and for me like being present in recovery with other people was like near enough impossible like how can you be present with someone else when your whole mind is like will it involve food what Mm. am I going to eat later how many calories does that just have um should I cut a bit off you know you know things like small things that we focus on microscopically and I don't think I said that right then microscopically <laughs> and it we lose sight of the massive or the bigger picture that is so much more meaningful yeah it's just so crazy because you really do and you really can like lose yourself and to your thoughts to mm-hmm. to just worrying so much about what what is this that I'm eating or what how am I gonna exercise this off later or whatever it's and yeah. you totally miss being in the in the present and you totally miss like on so many opportunities of, of life. Like it's just not a way of life. I mean, for me, I felt yeah. like I was just existing, but not mm-hmm. thriving at all. Yeah. We forget what happiness truly feels like in that mode because you become numb to anything 
other than signs of weight loss or you know your, your own little control systems that 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 just gives you that sense of meaning but it's so fickle and it doesn't mean anything really and um, but we really just latch onto it and I think that's why yoga for me um has been so so therapeutic in my recovery journey along with like lots of other things but really that kind of came like really accidentally into my life at like the most time that I needed it even when I felt like like relaxing and doing something really slow <clears throat> in a compassionate way was like <laughs> not me at all at that time um but it kind of <clears throat> if that makes sense yeah so how did you get into yoga how did that like how did that um did you because I know for some people that are in in situations like this sometimes yoga can be used for like the total wrong <laughs> wrong yeah. thing for just exercise and burning calories um yeah but then eventually it can turn into something amazing I mean yoga is much more than that so how did you mm-hmm. get into it well kind of I'll, I'll just backtrack a little bit because it fits in with part of the story a little bit but when I was kind of in and out of hospital for like a good part of my teenage years up until about the age of 18 I um I was kind of really losing hope in recovery at that moment, to be quite honest. I just thought, this is just going to be my life for the rest of my life. And I'd seen people who were 40 years of age in the same hospital as me had suffered from, like, the age I'd started. And I thought, this is all life's going to be. And even a lot of my family had given up hope, which I think is really important, like, to have hope in recovery. And the only really person who stuck by me during this time was my granddad. And he was so so compassionate during my recovery like he never gave up hope because he was like my second dad I don't I grew up with him because my parents worked full-time and we spent a lot of time together laughing like he'd he'd buy me sweets and my mom and dad didn't want me to have sweets and we had he made my childhood my childhood and he used to visit me like literally every day in hospital even though we had to travel miles and miles to get there and unfortunately it took a bit of a downturn one year and after my family came back off holiday, I went to go and visit him. And he'd become extremely unwell just overnight. And we didn't really understand, like, how unwell he was until we saw him. And seeing him like that just really shocked me. Like, And the next day, like, out of the blue, we had this phone call. And before, like, anyone even picked up the phone, I just knew that it was bad news. And it was, like... I like my, I think gut instincts work in a weird way. I think sometimes all humans, like if it's something someone's really close to them, I think we just know. Mm-hmm. And I just had this horrible sense of dread, like who's going to look, who's going to be there for me now? You know, like my main person who ever believed in me is gone. And that night I remember having this huge, huge panic attack. Um, I mean, I'd suffered from them for a while, but not on that scale. And I was literally looking up at the sky at the time, literally thinking that the whole world was just going to engulf me into this black hole. And I thought, there's no way that I am going to get out of this. And my heart was pounding. I literally felt like I was about to die. And I went home and thought that, well, what am I going to do? And I literally lay in bed that night. This isn't it. This can't, can't be it. And I, I know from what my granddad used to say is that I was meant for bigger things than to latch on to this illness that wanted to kill me that he knew that I was actually a really compassionate person and that I actually all I wanted to do was just be like a laughable lovable person who wanted to help others because that's what he'd seen in me growing up from like a baby Mm -hmm. so I just like actually could hear my granddad's voice in my head 
not in like a, a ghostly way, but I actually felt as though he was there with me during that time, just saying, you know, you can do this. And I felt, you know, Marissa, if no one else is going to do recovery for you, then you are going to have to step up your game and actually understand why recovery is important and actually just go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And of course, like, recovery doesn't happen overnight. It just doesn't. But from then on, I just had an absolute, my, my, my glasses had been changed and the way I saw recovery was about reclaiming my life back and actually seeing that this person, this shell of a person who'd become so obsessed with work, academia, pushing herself really hard, using food for control, that that was like a mask of who Marissa was. And I think it's a lot of the cases of other people with eating disorders or any other form of mental illness that we forget who we are and society can pull us away from that. And I realised that my journey had to start, like finding myself. And just out of the blue, because my, my dad was also suffering from loss of his dad, which is my granddad. My dad invited me to um, a yoga session that was on at his gym. Mm-hmm. And I actually went thinking, oh, great, it, it might be an option to just... Um, like I was still slightly disordered so I thought oh it could be an option you want to just like maybe like just burn off a little bit of extra anxiety energy or burn a bit bit of calories and I went there and it was like just it was like a relaxation yoga and I remember feeling like going and going oh this is the worst thing that could happen just lying down for half an hour and barely moving but afterwards I felt so good and I was completely like blown away by how it allowed me to just be present with the thoughts that were going on in my mind and how a lot of them didn't belong to me. I know it might seem a bit weird, but it was like that, even though a lot of people like therapists had spoken to me about how, you know, my thoughts weren't real and how things like actually like cutting down our food weren't normal and all these other things. It really just took that moment for it all to just click into place um can can you relate to that at all yeah I can and I something that I like about what you said about your about your grandfather um I think and I like I tend to do this a lot in in all areas of life not just with the eating disorder but I almost like sometimes I feel like I put too much without meaning to put too much onto other people like I try to have Mm -hmm. other people help me like I want yeah. someone else to fix my problems and, yeah. and I don't mean to do that. Yeah, right that now. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to do that because I know that's not realistic and that's not like, of yeah. course that doesn't get to the root of the problem and that's never going to help. But it's something that, that I can definitely relate to um, that I still to this day feel like I, I am working on um, is like only myself can fix my own, my own problems. And it's, and that's really hard. Like sitting with yourself and realizing that sometimes maybe you only have yourself is yeah. is really hard uh, just as being a human being. Um, but I definitely agree that yoga, meditation, things like um, uh, for me, like listening to, to other people talking about this type of stuff, like podcasts, mm-hmm. helped me too because I realized I wasn't the only person in the world that felt like that. Yeah, it's like we're not alone, but at the same time, we have to use our own selves to kind of get us out of the hole. It's like we can listen, it's like you can read a manual, 
but you can't expect the person who wrote the manual to actually put the piece of furniture to the manual. I was actually going to as well, like, did you ever become obsessed with anything during your recovery that was exercise related or even just any other obsessions apart from food? Um, I, so my part of my pro, like part of my eating disorder was exercise obsession. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, that didn't really happen during recovery, but I, that was something I really, really, really had to work on. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes even now, I mean, I don't think I have an issue with it now, but sometimes if I kind of start like a new exercise routine or if I start some kind of new exercise program, I can kind of see myself like sort of like leaning back towards that, towards those behaviors of, of just obsessing yes. over it. Um, yeah. but like I said, being aware of that is, is helpful because I can stop it before it gets to that point. Um, yeah. during, I don't, honestly, uh, I don't know. I think what I did, what helped me, and so I don't really think that I like replaced it with anything, but I think I opened up a lot of more doors that weren't open when I was mm-hmm. struggling. So yeah. like I, I had a lot more time to talk to friends. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of was like by myself during this whole prop this during this whole process because it takes up your whole day. It takes up your whole mind. Like it takes up all mm-hmm. of your energy and when I didn't have that anymore, I just didn't know what to do. And I remember like I some days and for even months, I would like sometimes just have to mm-hmm. lay on the couch and like take a nap or something. Like I just had to <laughs> sometimes like pass the days by and just like know that it would get better or not yeah. like not spend my time exercising. Um, Cause I, I spent so much of my days doing that and mm-hmm. so much of my days were I mean, my, basically my entire day was exercising and eating. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's like to stop that is, I didn't even know. I almost had to learn how to live again, like Mm -hmm. learn how to like function in society normally with relationships and just like I said, it opened up so much, so much more space. And I think at first the space yeah. can be kind of like overwhelming because you don't know what to do. Yeah. Completely understand that. I think the space aspect is really interesting because there's hardly any space for anything when your mind is so consumed by eating an exercise or one or the other. And then when you actually make that choice to actually sit in recovery, and be with it and really, really work on it and dedicate yourself to it and that become a full-time job, you realize how much time you have on your hands, not just to think about food, but to think, well, for me, it was like, how many other elements of wellness can I bring into my life now? So, you know, is it, how can I make social connections? How can I maybe get involved in things in my local community? How can I actually express my creativity more? How can I do the things that I lost and what I say the eating disorder stole away? How can I reclaim that back, you know, without, well, without getting insurance involved? <laughs> How do I just reclaim my life back, you know, with mm-hmm. the tools I already have? And that can be really difficult because, not unfortunately, but a lot of tools that we need to use or wellness elements we need to bring in require a lot of self-care and our ability to be self-compassionate, to really tune into our real needs and understand them and just be there to listen to them. 
And actually, as someone with an eating disorder or a healthy relationship with food and body, listening to your own urges could be distressing and knowing that you're a human body that functions and requires food and it needs actual nourishment can be scary. Mm-hmm. Never mind actually honouring them. So the process of recovery for me and how I explain it to other people I work with is actually about it's the journey of self-discovery it's not just recovery it's not just about your BMI because you could even get to a healthy weight and that that's all you have out of recovery you don't have the other elements that need to be slotted in such as friendships your sense of meaning and purpose and identity Mm. the identity away from this cloak of an eating disorder or someone who's always been the slim person in the room the fitness person the person who does this and that and x y and z and become your own person and for a time it's very scary because you actually have to take off all the clothing that I need to sort of give you become naked for a while not literally but <laughs> I have no identity and be this kind of new person and be like okay I have to start again or reflect back on the things I used to like and bring that into my life and take the courage to step out your comfort zone and realize attentively is the behaviors I'm pursuing in line with my values like is embarking on um this vegan lifestyle even though I believe in animal ethics is it actually going to help me right now in my stage of recovery maybe in the future but not now and really asking yourself questions that actually get to the core of what's going on rather than actually just saying yeah I can do it now it's fine I'll be fine you know as we often do thinking because we go into things thinking like everything will just slot into place really easily, especially if it's a form of diet or a fitness plan because it's written down in front of us. But often what's written in a simplistic way isn't how it functions in our brain. And as you said, Shelby, it can often trigger a whole like range of thought patterns that used to exist when you had an eating disorder without you even noticing sometimes. So that awareness, if you can bring that awareness through, you know, engaging in self-compassionate activities and giving yourself the time and space like even doing like um a relaxing yoga class that isn't like ashtanga but it's more something relaxing that's something like um how can i say like a yoga nidra even like a whole hours of like hour lying down even though it might seem like the worst thing to do that's often a sign that it's the best thing to do mm-hmm. yeah i agree because it's and that was so scary for me too because once you know something or once you've been something like you said the fitness person and I remember telling one of my best friends when I kind of was dipping my toes in the water of recovery I I said I've been this fitness person for so long that if I don't if I'm not that anymore I don't know what I am like I'm nothing I don't know I don't know who I am and that's so scary Mm -hmm. because like figuring that out it's like an amazing time because you learn so much, but it's also like the scariest time because you literally feel just so lost. Like you've get, you give up something that has been your identity and then Mm -hmm. you have to rebuild an identity or figure out what, who your true self is. Like what is your real true identity? And that can be very overwhelming and scary. It is. And interesting you saying that I recently came across a new concept well, it's not a new concept, it's a very old concept, but I've only really just learned about it. But um, it's a concept in yoga. Um, I think, let me just think, I can't even remember the word now, but it's all about, it's about, it's one of the eight limbs of yoga, but it's all about being truthful to yourself. Um, another concept is about a stayer, which is non-stealing. 
And I think if I apply that to an eating disorder, I think how much time do we steal away from ourselves, obsessing around food or our identity that needs to revolve around food? And also in the truthfulness thing, how often do we deny ourselves the opportunity ourselves to just actually step out of and just take that leap of faith? Because um, I know, like, when I had an eating disorder, and many, when I, even maybe yourself, you might have thought, actually, I'm just putting on a mask every day, sense of happy. And really, it's not giving me any sense of purpose or meaning, but it is physically and, and psychologically in a way, but not, not deep down. It's not really filling a void. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. It's just so crazy how, and I, I'm so like thankful because like I said, I think that this experience has made me so much more aware for future hardships because of course, like things in life happen and things are going to be hard and, and things will come up again. And so I feel like I've learned so many skills from, from recovering mm-hmm. that I didn't even know. And it's really sad because I think a lot of people go through life just so unaware of, of these feelings or like needing to fill voids that whether it be with anything, it could be any kind of addiction. Um, Mm -hmm. when really like the void needs to be fixed from you, like you need to figure out what is the void and what, you know, it, 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 it's, but it's so much easier to just try to do something on the surface that, that kind of gets rid of that emptiness those quick surface fixes they get to i say the bottom not the bottom element but just like literally scratch the surface but the whole underlying black hole void is still there so for me that that was like a really just lack of self-worth and lack of belonging and feeling like no one would like me if i didn't you know subscribe to society's like prescription of slimness or fitness or whatever it was or having a good job or you know good academic status or a good grade like there are things on a piece of paper that really don't matter and I actually need to start realizing what's important to me and my future and how I'd actually like life to feel because sometimes when you have an eating disorder life doesn't feel like anything it just feels like a blur and that you're on the outside of a bubble looking in and you're so scared to actually enter that bubble because it feels alien so joining a different planet (laughs) Mm -hmm. it does it's like it's crazy, but sometimes I feel like we need to hit rock bottom or like things just need to completely crumble before we can learn to like build it back up. Definitely, yeah. And I think maybe not in all cases, but definitely for me and, and to get to a stage where, you know, like I can either literally walk over the edge of this cliff and probably die or I actually need to just take that leap to recovering those who don't are people who actually just make that leap of faith like pure faith whether they're spiritual or believe in anything or not but faith in themselves that there will be something to jump onto even if they can't see it right now and even if you don't know what the other side of life involves is actually knowing in your heart that recovery means to you it's going to be different to what recovery means to somebody else because often I think the expectation of someone in recovery is also quite high. 
because they're expected maybe within the space of three months. I'm giving an example from inpatient treatment. They're expected to get to a healthy weight and have eradicated every single eating disorder behaviour they ever got. I think from someone who suffered for years, that's quite unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they have one slip up, which is completely natural in recovery, they go, oh, what's the point? And they give up. When going, that's a natural that's a natural process that you go through. You have to keep slipping down. You have to take a step back to take two forward. And that's definitely how kind of my recovery was. Even though I take steps back, it's taken me years. But at this stage, I can finally say I have a full recovery because I always choose life over any behaviour of an eating disorder and the thoughts, even though I might get a couple of bad days every now and then where you get one or two thoughts, you can, it's so easy to brush it aside and actually focus on what's important and act in line with your values rather than it sitting on your shoulder and literally puppeteer in every single move and thought and behavior that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, oh, it takes a long time and that's interesting too. And that's something that I feel like I was kind of hard on myself during recovery for not recovering perfectly. <laughs> Yeah. that doesn't exist like even I do recovery perfectly <laughs> yeah exactly like but that doesn't exist I mean no like you said and I, I mean if you were to beat yourself up over every time that you maybe took a step back it's just inevitable that that's going to happen but I really feel like every step back was another huge leap forward after that yeah I, I totally agree with that so it's like literally just letting go of everything being perfect, which is, which is hard. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I think if you've grown up with this perfectionistic standard as well, like the recovery part of letting go of that, it adds so much more color to life. And I think if you, if you view recovery as a, an, a lesson of being patient with yourself and seeing it as a color by numbers rather than a color in everything at once, it can be like, right, I'm going to colour, do you know the colour by numbers thing, just in mm-hmm. case they actually sound? Yes, no, <laughs> no, I do, I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, they were really annoying to do because it could take ages, you know, to find the right colours of that number and fill it in. But if you, even if you just coloured in one little segment every single day or every other day for the next two or three years, eventually there'd be a much clearer picture and it'd be more colourful. And I think that's how recovery is. It's It's not just... I've got like all my time to dedicate colouring everything at once because that's unrealistic is make small changes every day. Sometimes I might have to rub a bit out as well because I went a bit wrong, but it doesn't mean the whole picture's ruined. It means that you just learn what colours go better. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That's so true. And I like, I have a tendency and I think a lot of people that struggle with these types of issues have a tendency to want to colour in the whole picture right away. Because I want the safety blanket of knowing that everything's fine and everything's mm-hmm. perfect and every not necessarily perfect, but that I know the answers to everything and that's never yeah. going to happen. So like taking yeah. it, like you said, maybe a couple squares at a time mm-hmm. and waiting until finally the whole picture is done and that might take years. Yeah. It's but, like a work in progress. Yeah, a work in progress. And I feel like we're always a work in progress no matter what. Uh-huh, totally and I think that gets to the point of actually I know the journey can be difficult but if we can sit back and be grateful while we're on the 
the journey rather than trying to reach an end point because recovery seems to even the eating disorder community can be glamorized as like yeah like recovery the end goal of recovery and actually forget that actually the journey can be quite good in itself because even though it's been difficult I've become so much closer to my family I've become I've met like my I call my soul partner because he's so understands me and I wouldn't have actually met him if I didn't have my sort of time just through random circumstances and how we met and if you can be grateful for the things that you're allowed to self-explore during recovery because for me I, quit, I actually just quit my job and just like basically <laughs> ended up just going on this journey of I just need to find myself again I had so much free time to just really uncover so many amazing things about life that I'd never really truly appreciated mm-hmm. even though during those times I wasn't fully recovered I can absolutely wholeheartedly say I had enjoyable times as well as really shitty days. Sorry for swearing, but I had really <laughs> crappy days where it felt awful. But you know what? A few days later, I'd be, you know what? I needed to let those emotions out. That was a bad day because, for God's sake, I had a ten- a, an eating disorder that had a lot of anxiety and tension to release and crying and even getting angry was completely normal. And we have to remember that just like any trauma, that needs to go somewhere that energy needs to be released and some days that might come out as a bad day or even being mean to someone which might not be in your nature and you might feel bad about it but it's like just let it go you know without like breaking into frozen song just like (laughs) allow that person process of releasing to happen yeah and like that's so true that you can't expect to go through a trauma like that and I can relate this to, to to other things in my life too, but you can't expect to go through a trauma like that and not have so many, I mean, for so long you held in so much and you didn't even, like for me, I felt so numb. And so I have mm-hmm. so much built up anxiety and sadness mm-hmm. and even mad, like being mad and just yeah. so many emotions mm-hmm. that have been bottled up that have to come out. And so- yeah if you try to hold them all in and judge yourself for feeling like that, I mean, you're just doing yourself, you're just making the process longer. Yeah. It's like you implode on yourself. So it's like that energy. You could just like put it into another negative thought and literally whack yourself over the head with it. Or you could find some form of self-expression, whether it's an artful thing, a form of gentle movement or just an activity that just brings you some contentment for a while. Just, allowing yourself to express your voice somewhere even if it's a secret blog for ages like you just write things down and don't have to show anyone it but it's just I think anything that comes out of your head on paper or in a physical form somewhere definitely helps that process of releasing like the negative energy yeah that's so true journaling or or any Mm. any outlet that that helps release feelings and energy it yeah it is so important to, to let all of that go, to be able to really start from like a, a new space. Yeah. And doing things for fun, because I think one of the hardest things for me in recovery was actually realizing that to myself and enjoying myself without having to earn it or deserve it. And coming from a place of someone who's like perfect. Idea that we don't have to, be this amazing qualified person or work really hard to actually get something and enjoy something like even a nice bath or 
buying ourselves that lovely pair of jeans that might be a bit expensive but you've saved up and it's fine for yourself to have a little splurge or get yourself your favorite cappuccino from starbucks with real sugar syrup in and just sit there and enjoy it and have a cake as well yeah so important to do those little things Mm -hmm. and even though sometimes as it's bad certain like foods for example I think sometimes it's really nice to just have a little bit of an indulgence within food and actually saying yes because saying yes to that cake for someone might be to them it might feel gluttonous but so for someone else it might mean actually I'm just saying yes to life here because me and my family are out right now and you know what would be the point of doing like a fasting diet or you know a low carb or ketogenic diet if you can't engage in that social experience I think that probably be more toxic to your health to remove yourself from society and the social experience rather than saying yes yes to the cake if that makes sense yeah it does make so much sense it does oh man life is so it's just so complicated (laughs) complicated it is it's like an apple of beans I feel yeah it is (laughs) oh man I feel like this has been such a good conversation like I literally didn't even I feel like I didn't even touch on any questions because it was just such an organic conversation which is my favorite kind Mm There's just so so much that you can learn from that and it's just so natural. So I really appreciate you you talking to me and being on the show. But before we're off, I do want to ask you, um, because I know you have a book, right? And you have don't you have an online course? I want to talk like give you a chance to talk a little bit about that before. Oh oh, thank you. I actually completely forgot about this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh yes. Um kind of accidentally during the process of my recovery, I actually had like the secret outlet of writing that was kind of documenting recovery and all the different elements of wellness that I think are really important into making up what recovery means. So I wrote a book two years ago um, and got it published, which is called Nourishing Roots, uh, Your Journey to Love Food, Adore Your Body and Become Your Authentic Self. Um, and that uh, had my book launched last year properly and that can be found on uh, in Barnes and Noble, Waterstones, Amazon, and my website, and um, I'm currently actually in the process of publishing another book. That's it's online at the moment, but it's um, it's all about gaining weight and reclaiming life and eating disorder recovery. So it's something actually a bit more specific to people who've struggled with an eating disorder in a restrictive way, like anorexia or even even bulimia or orthorexia, and it kind of is a step by not just gain weight, but literally go in depth of topics related to recovery and actually how to make the practical steps that are going to get you well, not just literally following a meal plan. It's kind of more in depth, even um, what happens when you lose a period, how to, you know, get that back, how to, you know, get your identity back, things that I felt feel have been really important for me and the people that I work with. Um, and then I developed a course that was based on the original book that I wrote and that's an eight-week course that basically it's fundamentally based on how to be more self-compassionate with yourself but specifically in terms of developing like a lifelong positive and loving relationship with food and body so that also talks around things like related to anorexia orthorexia how to learn to you know be more free with food 
how to do activities that make you feel more you know in line with your authentic self how to even make um eating like well fit in line with work and other commitments because something i found in recovery and just in like in general like how hard it is to live a healthy life when there are work commitments and you push so the course kind of really gets in it's a very practical way of just getting really deep down and getting people to really understand what's important to them and how they can live their most compassionate life because I think when you are more compassionate with yourself that obviously allows you to serve yourself in a way that allows you to serve so much more back to others in the world itself mm-hmm so um i love that, that that's kind of i'm not oh thank you <laughs> yeah so where can um, people find where can people find it or, or find more information about you um like i just want to give a chance for you to like give your website or or your yeah well i've got my website which is um www.nourishingroots.com and i also have my book they can find under that name on Amazon and if they want to find my new book which is just about to get published it's called Gaining Weight Reclaiming Life in Eating Disorder Recovery and I've got more information about my course on my website and my blog and yeah just where I do like post things around like coaching and um, what other people have said with who I'm working with right now just in terms of what's helped them so yeah it's just kind of a go-to support mechanism really just that's really kind of happened accidentally how I see it <laughs> I didn't kind of expect this to happen this wasn't the plan but you know I gained so much um love from it like I absolutely love what I do now I wouldn't like go back to what I was working in you know like if you paid me a million pounds even though I was probably earning twice as much as I do now I think it's just so fulfilling to work in yes awesome that's amazing I love that you like you unexpectedly found that. I feel like those are the most organic things when you unexpectedly come across opportunities yeah. like that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, so will, <laughs> yeah. Okay, awesome. So I'll, I'll put all of that in the show notes so that everyone can find the website oh, and the books. Thank that's you. That's awesome. I'm super excited um, for you. And I really appreciate every all of the work that you're doing. It's amazing. I think you're an amazing person. So thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, you're welcome, Shelby. I think the exact same about you. I've looked at all the stuff you're doing at the minute. And, you know, more positive messages, the better, even if we're, you know, very far away from one another. It's really nice to know that there's other people who are equally as passionate about this topic and helping people to find a more nourishing route to wellness or finding their, like... Just find a better life. Nourished self. Yeah, through a compassionate way, which it sounds like you're definitely an expert in doing. Through experience. <laughs> yes, through experience. <laughs> a lot yeah, of trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get the PhD, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much. You're welcome.